almost like when you have an infection in your skin and it was like behind the surface for so long, then all of a sudden like you got a new face cream or you had a facial or something happened, right? And it finally pulled it out. So it wasn't like it wasn't there. It's just like now you're like, wow, I have to deal with all the toxins that have been like hanging out for a while. But if that model is aligned, then we will be able to extract this. <laughs> <laughs> the when challenge is like, it, it's so ingrained in the fabric of this country. That's the issue. It, like, yeah, it, I, love your, I love your metaphor. And it, it is definitely a very unique beast in the way that from top down, there are issues to address. And it's so seeped into the culture now that it is actually not even within most people's consciousness. And so it's like this cognitive dissonance that we're bridging now as the, the majority of white people have never been exposed to racism to the extent that black people have. For black people, this is not a surprise. We're sitting there like, thanks for joining the party. Like we've been in this. And I know anybody who is into civil rights, obviously could see back to the 60s and 50s and all of that and see how this thing has been a pervasive issue. But yeah, it, it is one of those things to extract it is the question now. How do we actually extract it? You were already doing amazing work. You're already so talented and like found, had found your gifts eons ago, right? But I just really felt like it was almost like there was like a seed in you that with everything going on just like popped and was like, boom, like this was something that you were, you were meant to show up for in this lifetime and really heart-centered, powerful way. And I'm just grateful that you're willing to talk to me on the podcast about that. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be doing it because obviously I'm a fan of yours as well. And I think that we, we you know, we've always had a, a relationship of sorts, but this is great to be able to connect about something that is clearly relevant to everybody. So I'm like, I'm just glad. I'm glad that we're all talking about this on some level. And you know, for, for me, it's like, you know, I come from a lineage of revolutionaries. Like my grandmother was a World War II hero and she was part of the Dutch resistance. And she was a pivotal person to actually find the information that the Dutch resistance had been looking for, for a while as they were being bombed by the Nazis. Quick story about this. My grandmother was this woman, young woman, a nurse who's working in the resistance, but one day, one night, she was at a bar and she saw this German officer down the bar and she took it upon herself to think about how she could get the information about where the bombs were coming in from by these Nazis from this German officer. So she actually got the information from this German officer at this bar. Oh my and God. Goes to the Dutch resistance with the information and it helps quite a bit with what was going on. So she ended up getting an exhibit dedicated to her at a museum in Holland and uh, they flew my mom out a couple years back to be a part of the exhibit. So that's what my lineage is, right? And not to mention the fact that my father's lineage is Haitian and the Haitian Revolution is a pretty dynamic one. So all of this is in my blood in a sense. And then, of course, when it's all happening as I'm a half black and half white man, and I see that there's this divide in the conversation. There are these opposite narratives that don't seem to have a bridge. You know, I see Sean King doing great work. I see all these different people, Black Lives Matter. And yet I'm seeing how important it is to, to really make it more accessible for white people. 
to have a conversation about it, to make a difference in it and to translate because I've been around so many white people in my life. I've been around so many black people in my life. And I have this position where I might as well use how I've been born and how I've been raised and uh, to, to bridge it. Because I just, you know, I think about Bob Marley at one point during the, the, tensious, the tension filled times in Jamaica, there was these two political parties and it took Bob Marley on stage to bring the two political party heads together to hold hands and and raise their hands up in the air it's like an iconic moment right and it's like so we need more bridge builders not bridge burners you know and that's really what i'm advocating for yes 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 okay (laughs) so we're keeping all this it's just going to be an informal start to the podcast welcome guys to divine downloads (laughs) the show where we talk about the spiritual and strategic actions you can take to create a life that lights you up and i am so excited as you guys are probably already enthralled because I'm just letting you guys hear our pre-roll conversation um, with my friend Caduce who honored us with his presence today. You may know him as one of the the MTV hosts of TRL back in back in the day which was amazing. Um, He's also hosted on NBC, CBS, ABC, all the things. I was thinking this morning I was like I should probably be the most nervous for this interview because I am, this is the first time I'm interviewing, like the interviewer of interviewers. (laughs) And um, so I hope I do okay. But I'm most excited um, to bring him on because of just how he's been speaking about everything that's going on in the world. And as he just mentioned, I really see him being the bridge. And, you know, another fun tidbit about, um, me and Kudus is that I did his workshop called Camera Ready. And so this is a few years ago. And for many of you guys who know, I had a background in TV, you know, I do YouTube. I love being on camera and all that. And so I was interested in doing his workshop, seeing what it was all about. And his magic, which I think is going to apply to some of the things we we will talk about, well, throughout this whole podcast, but specifically, I know you guys are going to love is that, you know, I went into it thinking he's going to give me all these like technical kind of like camera tricks and stuff that you learn when you're in the business of like how to angle a certain way and whatnot. But what he really does is show people how to be authentic leaders. And he shows you how to show up as who you are and fully who you are in the context of whatever you're talking about, which is why I think you are so magnetic as an interviewer and as a speaker and as you know, a person that either talks or puts yourself on video or TV or whatever. Um, But I think it's also really important within this conversation um, about being an ally that we're going to get into. But but first and foremost, I just want to give you the mic for a second. And we already kind of went on a a few little tidbits. (laughs) But um, I really do believe that, you know, spirit puts in front of us whatever, you know, is kind of on the altar, so to speak, or on the plate. Mm. So was there anything specific that was on your heart this morning um, before we hopped on this call that you just want to share or, or let us in on? Sure. I mean, before we started, <laughs> I was just saying bye to my friend who happens to be a white man who I've known for over a decade. His name's Travis. And he's an example of someone who is the majority of the white people I know. Awesome humans. Awesome humans. And I just so happened to be talking to a black friend of mine, and we were talking about how we actually haven't experienced racism directly Mm. for a while. Like maybe there's indirect racism. And so it's interesting to see on a macro level how most people are 
reacting to George Floyd. And granted, there are definitely systemic issues of racism. But the thing that was really present to me this morning, hanging out with my friend Travis, is that there are more good white people that are wanting to be allies than there are racist white people. And I think the narrative, when I look at so much of what's happening, even social media, not just traditional media, is a dramatization. Granted, it's, it's warranted, but like, I'm just looking at things a little bit more cool headed now and say, okay, did we just get triggered collectively by a trauma, which is definitely prevalent with so many black people here in America, but did we allow ourselves to get triggered to the point where we actually escalated something and got now police officers worried about their jobs, good police officers. So it's just, it's such a layered thing. That's why I'm excited to unpack it with you because I think that there's still a little bit of confusion, right? Like white people are thinking, God, who do I believe? I didn't, I wasn't racist, but maybe there's something of a blind spot to discover. So it's just exciting to be in the conversation. You know, I just love that you're curious about it and everyone listening, watching, uh, are really earnestly wanting to know, like, how can we make a difference? Well, that, I mean, that's really what struck me when I watched your, I love, so everyone, you have to, on his Instagram, his Instagram is at Q-U-D-D-U-S. <laughs> I almost <laughs> couldn't remember that one. It's a weird one. But I'm like, trying to like, no, I'm just like slow when I'm trying to like see something and say it at the same time. Um, but I'll tag him and everything. So you'll see, I'm sure you probably already see him in my Instagram when um, this airs, but but he has this conversation with your friend, Devin. And I remember that was one of the first conversations that it really, I loved what you were saying about being the bridge and also about creating a low barrier to allyship, right? Because one of the, the reflections I was getting from my community, which I will say is primarily white, but does have people of color and black people in it as well. And this is just also me talking to, you know, I have two group programs running right now. I have one-on-one -on -one clients. So that's like the sector of people I'm like talking, talking, talking to, not just all these listeners and people on my Instagram. And all of them, all of them were saying that they were feeling nervous about saying the wrong thing or supporting in the wrong way or posting. And we're talking even people of color were asking, and I was like, don't ask me, um, because, but, but, you know, and obviously my, my best answer to that is always, you know, go within, go to your highest self, connect to your heart, post what's true in your heart, and if you post what's true in your heart, and from that space of, I like to think our higher knowing, that I think that's going to be the most powerful thing you can post, and if you get some feedback on it, then you work with the feedback, right? Um, but I loved what you said because I do think that there were a lot of loud voices that, you know, I had some of, some people come to me saying, I feel I'm receiving a lot of messages that all white, that white people are bad, right? That all white people are bad, right? And I'm having trouble processing, you know, what I did. And this is a little bit of the blind spot, right? And also one realizing that it's not necessarily like, you Jane Smith <laughs> that we're saying is bad you know it's it's a, a long lineage of problems but I just you know you can elaborate on that but I just appreciate what you're doing and saying hey let the, there are so many people right now especially white people but I 
just in general, I think there's a lot of people right now that maybe weren't as involved in this conversation before that are now eyes open to it and saying, I want to be involved. I want to be used. I want to be a force of good. And then kind of feel scared. Well, yeah. And I think it's, it's such a testament to how we are dealing with an emotional state right now. And it might be that for a while, but it's really kind of fresh in the way that we all saw what happened to George Floyd. So for, for black people, it's, it's a very triggering situation because it signifies so much. Like when I look at the expression on Derek Chauvin's face, when he's got his knee on George's face, it's a look of impunity. And that is what the issue is because it's, it's a look of impunity because he knows the system is rigged in his favor. And so I look at that and I can actually make a distinction between Derek and the majority of the white people that I know but some black people are so triggered right now that we collapse all white people into Derek Chauvin. You know, and it's, and it's a conflation of the issue and it's understandable because when emotions are high, mindfulness and awareness are not as acute. And, and so it's like, we need to navigate this knowing the five stages of grief essentially that we're all going through. Yes, yeah, and how anger is a stage of grief, you know? And I think that's been something that I've, you know, personally, and, and also just talking to my clients have tried to say is that we need to allow the space for that grief and that anger that the black community is moving through right now, because it is intense. And we need to take that minute and say, okay, like this doesn't have to be about my feelings, right? This doesn't have to be personal. This can, we can let them express whatever they need however they need to express it yeah and that's the thing it's it's tricky to hold space in a container like instagram yeah versus being in a room because if we're in a room we're seeing each other and and a black person could see a white person's compassion as they're asking questions that may not be phrased exactly the way they'd like it to but then again in that state is anything going to be phrased correctly it's yeah. just an issue. It's like it's flared up. The wound is open. You can put anything on the wound, even the, the greatest aloe on the wound, and the black person's going to say, that's not the right aloe. Yeah. It's not, it's not you who is asking the question, the white person that is leaning in and wanting to be a difference maker. It's, it's, the, it's the wound. And we got to look at the wound and really just give it time and give it uh, every bit of sensitivity that, that it warrants because this is a long time coming. and and it's a charged situation, but I think allyship that is genuine, that is caring, that is patient, that is thoughtful is going to make the difference right now because it's, it's the people who are white that are in power to pull the levers that will actually change this systemic oppression that we've been dealing with. For the yeah. Most part. yeah. And, and also it's getting, I mean, Yes, that, and then also getting more, just more of a collective majority supporting this and sharing this and educating themselves. And that's, you know, one of the, the Instagram conundrum that I feel is that I worry that people are focusing more on what they post on Instagram instead of educating themselves around, and around really doing this work, right? And I feel like, yeah, there's this call out culture kind of going on being like, are you posting enough? Are you posting the right stuff? You know, 
And for me, I think, well, you know, who knows what anyone does behind the scenes, right? But I I would think that maybe the people that maybe aren't being 24-7 on Instagram right now, maybe they're actually the ones having the hard conversations. Maybe they are the ones, you know, doing the the reading and, and trying to hyper-educate right now and figure out, okay, where were my blind spots? What was I doing wrong? How can I shift the way I was doing things in my company? And I can just say, for me, the days I've spent off Instagram um, have probably been more for this than the days that I'm on Instagram and trying to keep up with all of that stuff. Because I think especially as white people, we have so much work to do in our backyard. We have so much work to do in our own backyard and saying, having these conversations, I mean, everyone has an ignorant family member. I'm sorry, at least one, right? That, and it, you know, even if they're 70 or 85, right? This is the time you can have that conversation. And you being at least their family member has the highest chance of getting through to them and getting to their heart and, you know, taking care of that. But it is, it is interesting. So what, I'd like to see, I'd like to know from you, what does allyship look like for you? You know, what, what do you feel like, you know? Yeah, and, and that's distinct from a lot of the commentary I'm seeing online about what makes an ally. I think that's the, the big debate amongst Black people is the notion that allyship is something used too loosely and therefore people aren't taking it on in a serious way and thinking that, oh, I posted today, I'm an ally, you know, Caduce hashtag my repost of his post, ally, I'm good. <laughs> and, and, and what I'm saying is, we, we need to make this a friendlier conversation. We need to make it such that it, it's accessible. When people see a long uphill battle, initially, it can seem overwhelming. And I think it's our job and I do think it's our job. Like, if we're really serious about activism, we're thinking about it holistically. I think we need to really think about the psychology of people and what deters people from being an ally. It's thinking that I need to dedicate 80% of my time now to being an ally, and then we aren't going to get as much allyship because of the barrier for entry, this, this supposed uphill battle, this long marathon. It's like, can we think about marketing 101 right now? <laughs> Like, I got it. Like, it's a serious situation. But can we apply some of the things that we know about human psychology to mm. get more people on board? Because if you're saying over here, you know, militant, angry, and again, I'm not like belittling or demeaning or, or uh, dismissing the need for our emotional processing. But let's not, let's not bite the hand that is going to feed us the freedom. And we can grant it to ourselves to a certain extent but we get to be in collaboration. And what does that mean? It means actually reaching our hand out and saying, you know what? I'm not gonna make you jump through a million hoops to consider yourself part of this movement. I'm gonna meet you where you're at, see the effort, see the earnestness, and see how I can support you to make this easier on all of us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think you know one of the things I saw that I think is also an important element to that conversation and, and echoes what you're saying is that this is a marathon, not a sprint, right? We're, we don't want, or, you know, it's not as helpful to have a bunch of people that are going to be excited for two weeks and shout it from the rooftops. You know, you want 
people that are actually going to be integrating this into their business, integrating this into their way of being, integrating this into the, the content they share or how they are in the world. And that takes more than just someone going really hard for two weeks. Yeah, know? that's that's the classic case of how burnout happens, right? If we just completely obsess over this and don't think about the long game. And I mean, that's why I've been looking at my business. I was about to launch a very different type of program. And then when this all happened, I had to look at how things went with a great client that I worked with about a year and a half ago. Uh, MasterCard wanted to have me facilitate something for their diversity and inclusion. And so we did a workshop. It was a three-hour workshop. And it was so powerful to see what happened when we just set the table and had a conversation and got to share the things that we don't necessarily share in the hallway at the water cooler on a typical day. And all of a sudden walls fell down. People started crying about how they felt disconnected from their fellow colleagues who happened to look different, sound different. And then that conversation built the bridge. So in three hours, we were able to make a difference in the culture and the fabric of what MasterCard was. And so when I was looking at this other program that I was gonna launch, I, I just could not help but think about that experience with MasterCard and think, okay, I get to dedicate more of my energy as a coach and facilitator to supporting the diversity and inclusion initiatives that more companies are going to be interested in having now that it's clearly an issue. And the thing is, it also is affecting people's bottom lines now. When I look at how many people looked at Marie Forleo different when mm -hmm. she wasn't having a particularly evolved conversation with her base on her Facebook group, I heard about this and I thought, wow, this is what's going to happen to all of the companies who stay apathetic about this because we are in a different moment. We are in a different world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think so much of that is, I was actually just talking um, about this with a few women that I'm organizing something with that <laughs> under the radar, but, um, but one of them is a, a person of color and the other one is a black woman. And we were talking about how the important thing right now, whether you're a business or you're, you know, like a one person business like me or whatever, is to just show up for the conversation, right? To not be ignoring the conversation, to not be, you know, deleting comments or disengaging, is to just be in the conversation. If it's even if it's imperfectly to say, hey, I'm willing to, to have this conversation because it's an important conversation to have right now. Um, and I think that's where it's been disappointing that some leaders are not engaging that or took them a minute to engage that. Um, yeah, and the thing is, I have a lot of empathy for that because I have been on the other end of the spectrum looking at something awful going on. By the way, there's an airplane going over me. Thank God it's not a chopper. <laughs> All the choppers. Choppers not as many choppers. My God. The other day I was like, am I in Terminator 1 right now? I mean, it really <laughs> felt so weird. Um, but I, I do have a lot of empathy for, for people like Marie Forleo and, and some other people who took a little while to get out of the gate and, and really get this. And I don't know whether Marie's issued an apology or a statement or anything since what was initially the, the, the uproar around her. But I think she's just, she's just an example of someone who actually probably means well, uh, but just doesn't feel altogether comfortable in the conversation. And, and so that brings in the question of like, can we be uncomfortable and know that that's just part of the game? Like that is whenever there's new ground, you know, this in working in self-development, it's like, we always coach that the growth happens in discomfort because our comfort zone is what we've been in. It's the familiar and we can sit in that all day. But when we're actually expanding our comfort zone, that 
that period of time is going to be uncomfortable because it's not something we're familiar with. It's like us having that extra 10 push-ups in our workout and we've got to like exert that effort. And some people are looking at that and saying, ooh, but that effort's also riddled with potential jabs and loss of followers or whatever we make up about it, right? But it just depends on what kind of conversation we've been having prior to this. If we've been in a conversation with our people that is a holistic one looking at the world, then pivoting slightly from the narrative around you know self-development or be your best self or whatever to say, okay, being our best selves also includes caring about injustice and a genocide in our backyard. That makes a lot of sense. Now, people that are pivoting from not being really caring at all, that's going to be a steeper climb. Like that's really, that's going to look pretty off to our base if we've been so busy shelling gas or oil or whatever. And all of a sudden it's like, but we love black people. Like er, record scratch. Can we just hold up? Like get, <laughs> on ramp, on ramp to caring, please. Like, so there's just, there's a lot of nuances in the conversation. And, and I, and I think it's important to actually take one step at a time and not feel like just because, you know, one company comes out with a really great initiative that all of a sudden we need to scramble. I think it's important to be thoughtful and take our time, but also like read the room, read the room. If your room is lit up in the comment section about this, don't be the person to like mute the voices that clearly need to be heard. Be the one that says, okay, great. Like how about we start another group dedicated to this? So anybody who wants to have that conversation, go over there. Everybody wants to just focus on business. Stay here, right? Like that, I would have consulted Marie Forleo about potentially redirecting the conversation if her vision for her group was just to keep it about business. I get that. I totally get that. Uh, but there's a way to handle it. And I think that's really what I'm excited about Ally Now and rolling this out because I really want to provide resources for people who are fumbling right now. And they're good people. Like I don't want to see people who are well-intended and just confused about how to go about this feel like they're on the outside looking in to the revolution versus being a part of it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about Ally now. And then I have a question about, about leadership around that. I want to get to as well after. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, Ally now, it's just, as the title suggests, it's about really encouraging everyone who wants to be an ally to have a support system, to be able to be the best ally they can be and not have it feel like martyrdom, not have it feel like, they're doing it alone, you know, have, have someone like me who's been in the conversation with activists and, you know, otherwise to really be able to navigate the conversation and, and not just the conversation, but the action around it so that it, it doesn't sacrifice our revenue. It doesn't sacrifice our quality of life. It actually enhances it because it's actually at the core of it, really our heart expanding, our care, our compassion being in action. And so yeah, it's a program. It's it's corporate training. It's branding consulting. I mean, it, it's a lot of like tactical systemic solutions in the corporate America space for sure. I'm going to put a lot of focus on that, uh, but also with the individual. I'm going to do group coaching programs to support you know individuals who are taking it upon themselves to be better allies. So it's it's got tears to it, but that's like the sort of overview level of what we're doing with Ally now. I love it. And I think it's so needed. And I think what you touched on before about the conversation we were having before this and then how easy it was for you to transition. I think what we're seeing in this year alone between everything that's happened this year is that people care. People are looking for multidimensional leadership, whether it's from a business or a person. They don't want 
I think the day of us having businesses in isolation or leadership in isolation where I'm only going to talk about my organic lip gloss or whatever, you know, it's like, okay, great. But why, why is it organic? That alone is an opinion, right? On something in the, right. So it's thinking um, in that way and being able to say, people are wanting to align with your values, whether you are a MasterCard, you know, it's like someone that hears that about MasterCard. I'm going to say, I definitely spend my money this way or allocate my energy this way I'll be like okay well I like that they're I like that they're paying people like you to come in and do that work right that makes me feel better about that company right if I have to choose between MasterCard and another credit card I might go with MasterCard right now right being that I know that about them and so I think we're going to start seeing that across the board is that you know, I, from the food conversation, which was like my first conversation, you know, when I started my journey, I would always say we vote with our dollars, right? We vote with our attention. We vote, you know, if you're buying from the organic farmer in Santa Monica, or you're wherever you're buying, right? You're voting with that money. And I think we're going to see that on a much more massive level right now. You're really voting your values with your dollar and where you're spending your time. But a question I have for you that I think is that I feel like it's been a hot debate on Instagram and definitely among some of my colleague circles is this idea of so many of us that are used to being, let's say, like more of a, the talking head, right? Mm -hmm. The person that like kind of shares their opinion on everything and is like a leader in one space, but leads in a lot of things, right? Yeah. There's been, you know, a, a backlash that I... I actually very much understand and and almost I think maybe align with more it about hey white women don't try to be a leader on this mm. right like leave it to and you know I felt this when everything first started um kind of going down and I saw some of my colleagues kind of you know step up and you know lead through this right mm -hmm. and then for me I was feeling a little unaligned with that because I was like no let me just let me repost someone that is a leader in this right let me try to share someone's work who is a leader well obviously like directing people towards them and whatnot to say these people have been doing this work for years for years and yes I can go go up and you know on my moral compass and <laughs> whatnot but I think that's a finessing thing that a lot of people are thinking about right now is, you know, is it, is this something that we should try to lead on or is being a leader in this situation, turning the mic over to people who are leaders in this situation? I think it's both. I think it's both. And it's kind of like as simple as the see, some, see, some, see something, say something. Mm. You know, mm. you, see, you see those little ads in the subway system now and, you know, these ads for that because it really is that simple. It's, it's an injustice. You know, I think if this was a complicated crime, if this had all these different aspects of it that were, you know, investigative in nature to really get to the bottom of, that'd be one thing, right? But this is a, a glaring case of, of killing, a lynching in broad daylight yeah. by a cop. And then looking at what contributed to that. I mean, it was not an isolated incident. It, this is years of a culture, years of, of America. So I think it's just a matter of everybody being where they are in it, admitting if they're not an expert. I mean, I find that to be a big alleviator of tension and anxiety around having this conversation. If we front load it by saying, listen, 
I don't know a lot about this, but here's what I know. I just saw injustice yeah. and I yeah. want to talk about it. I don't claim to know the answers. You know, I think there's a lot of ways that we can put it in such a way where we're just being where we are. We're being human. We're being yeah. a caring human being who will put their you know, strategic plan to the side when something as glaring as this killing of George Floyd happens. And that just makes me as someone watching a lot of these influencers that much more into it, into them, into whatever they're going to sell next. Because I know, oh, I remember how they responded to George Floyd. You know, I remember it didn't take them uh, a publicist and, you know, a well-crafted statement. Yeah. You know, they, they got on video and they showed their ignorance about racism. And I really love that. I love authenticity above all. So it's like, it's so easy to get in our heads about this because it is a bit of a landmine field. But at the same time, I think we can all tell when somebody's just genuinely wanting to make a difference, you know? Like there's that Maya Angelou quote, which is people will forget what you say, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Yeah. You know, and so it's yeah. like, choose your adventure. You know, if, if you're an influencer listening to this, it's like, do you want to be that person that is just reposting things and we never see your face and your anguish and your compassion live? You know, mm. that, that's a different quality of conversation. And so I yeah. think that, you know, you know, your colleagues, my colleagues, like we all get to choose who we are going to be in this revolution. Yeah. Are we going to be the one that silently reposts things or someone that puts themselves out and says, yo, I just read a bunch of stuff about the history of racism and I'm fucked up right now. You know, like yeah. I am beside myself that I didn't know this sooner and just own it. I think yeah. that's the biggest thing I can say. I think this could be the headline of the whole damn conversation. Like, let's just all own it. Yeah. You know, because if we haven't been at all sensitive to the plight of a black American, then that, that's part of being complicit. And that's not to have a pity party. That's not to have like this judgment fest and like beat ourselves up, but it's something to reckon with. It's something to just be like, yo, it's like in a breakup. You know, I think we're breaking up with who we thought America was. And so we yes. get to mourn. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and grieve and like do the things we would do in a breakup. Like, am I going to stay lingering in that kind of dynamic or am I going to rise up in a, a whole new space and time and say, I am willing to be in this conversation. I'm willing to be shoulder to shoulder with my black brothers and sisters because I didn't do that for a long time. And now yeah. I'm going to do it because now I know what I know. Yeah, absolutely. Breaking, breaking up with what we thought America was and also breaking, breaking up and, and grieving parts of us that we thought we were. 100%. Right. 100%. You know, feeling like I think especially this audience is, you know, define themselves, I think, as spiritual and conscious. Mm -hmm. And to have that as something that is a fundamental value or something that you feel like is intrinsically part of who you are. And then mm -hmm. to awaken to this going on right under your feet mm -hmm. and you not being conscious of it. Yeah. To the level that you could have been, right? Yeah. 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 And, and and that's just it. We all have our blind spots in life. And here's a big blind spot for a lot of white people being revealed. And there is some shame involved. There is some some potential blame, which is not productive, but it's happening. And it's this yeah. byproduct of what we were talking about. Like when emotions are high, sometimes we don't know how to have emotional intelligence in real time in a way that translates. And that's really why like, I'm, I'm pumped about really simplifying this process of being an ally. And my team and I, we've worked on a really simple four-step formula for being an authentic ally. 
which is inventory, really looking at our side of the street and looking at all of the different conversations happening around us, taking inventory about what resonates, what seems like a fact versus a belief, right? Really looking around and taking that inventory. And then we can actually start to look at how we have been in the matter and, and change our identity in response. Like if I have not identified as a revolutionary, an activist, uh, someone who's a global citizen, someone who's a really compassionate ally, well, those are things that we could start to identify with. It's not like there is something that is holding us back from changing who we thought we were, right? But ourselves, but the comfort zone that yeah. was within being a, a white American not connected to the plight of the black American. So it, in, in a lot of ways, it's really an expansion. It's an expansion opportunity, you know? Absolutely. And we get to choose, you know, we we get to choose that now and we get to not let the the past mm -hmm. be a reason to keep us out of that right yeah. we see that in like so many parts of self-development in life it's like yeah we've all probably done things on all different parts of our lives right that we wouldn't do again that we didn't think was great or we didn't like a certain part of ourselves at a certain time in our life right yeah. and if we stayed in that so long it would distract us from the energy that we can put into the present of who we get to be today, how we get to show up today, how we get to use our powers for good today, right? And so allowing that to fuel you, fuel you, and if anything, make you more energized and aggressive in this conversation now instead of, you know, allowing that time. It's a grieving process, but it's also really, you know, it's interesting because I talk a lot at we. I talk a lot about astrology and we just had a massive eclipse um, just a week ago that literally the whole eclipse was about releasing old belief systems that don't serve us. Right. And so it was like, we are doing this on every level, right? Like this is time. Like the time is now these belief systems, both collectively and personally are ready to be extracted from our consciousness. And the well, with anything, with anything, whether it's racism or it's you not believing you're good enough, right? We need to accept it. We need to see it. We need to see it for what it is and say, oh, wow, okay, that's how it got there. That's how it's affected my actions for whatnot. And I'm, I'm leaving it, right? I'm deciding to stop it. And then I'm going to make a game plan Yeah, yeah, moving totally. forward. Well, and then you just touched on something from a spiritual perspective, we're going through a dark night of the soul. Yes. And, and if you've been through a dark night of the soul, like I have, the only way out is through. Yep. And so it's like, we can stop with the, with the weaseling out of what is, what is, is it's, it's definitely time. It is definitely time. And on the other side of it is potentially the age of Aquarius, but it's going to take a little work for us all to get there in earnest and really <laughs> feel like we've earned whatever it is that's coming to us because I mean there are a lot of things to be discouraged about but there's a lot of things to be encouraged about and I think that's really where we get to put our energy like you said like you know the the emphasis can be on moving forward what do I do now okay so I haven't been active in this conversation so what now what you know that's really yeah. what I like to say whenever I feel some sort of regret I mean, I mean that's how I've been able to show up for this because I haven't been nearly as vocal about racism up until now 
I, I can definitely look at my side of the street, take inventory and say, wow, I have not owned where racism has shown up in my life through me. You know, prejudice is a really, it's a dynamic thing that I think everyone has to some extent. Like even the most holy among us have prejudice because we're all so subjected to this conditioning, you know, these marketing campaigns that are clearly informed by uh you know a bit of a bit of that white elite thing where it's like the the blonde haired blue eyed skinny white girl has been the standard of beauty for a long time for example and i was recently confronted about how you know when i look at my history of dating like i have preference for white women who look like that so then i had to look and examine myself and say okay wow like is that on some level racism you know and that's where where i get into the nuance of like well what is racism because if if i have a preference as distinct from prejudice where is the line there right yeah and and and, and then okay so i get to look deeper and say okay well what makes up my preference you know have i been conditioned you know is my conditioning condition there's this rap song by Dead Prez, really great hip hop group, and they talked about how even our conditioning is conditioned at this point. Like, so, so it's like, and that's what we're dealing with. We're like peeling back so many layers of so so many ad campaigns that we've all consumed, uh, so many things, and even from the black perspective, I'm looking at how I have been complicit in promoting hip hop artists who oftentimes have a misogynistic, thuggish way about them which is not our best self. Like black folks, we have Langston Hughes to look at. We have, you know, Nat Turner. We have Malcolm X. We have Martin Luther King. Have I been promoting the greatness of black people as much as, you know, some of these hip hop artists that are not reflective of the black America I want to see? No, I have not been that rigorous. I've been in the zeitgeist of pop culture for 20 years on some level, you know, MTV, I remember interviewing artists promoting videos that were not reflective of the kind of black America, the kind of America that I want to see. And yet I went ahead with it, you know? And so it's like, that's the kind of cleanup we each get to do. It's like, we get to look at, okay, where, where did I have a bit of racism at play or, or perpetuated the racism and the, the perceptions that are very limited about black people in America and, so yeah, there's there's some work to do. And, yeah, and when if you think about that too, just thinking and about thinking about someone on the flip side of that TV screen, right? Watching TRL, watching MTV, that maybe lives in a small town in the middle of America where they might not even have a black person, right? And uh, there, and the that's how that is now. Now they see this rapper video yep. you know with all these like you know half naked ladies and you know cars and stuff like that and they're like oh is that what that is yep. right yep. um and and also and just just to see that as that that's part of how the sickness drips down right yep. and i'm not saying that was you you weren't picking the music videos <laughs> but but you know but there's but there's a way the media likes to portray it that also you know then you think to yourself Right. Okay. You know, I was on some levels, I guess, lucky enough to grow up in the tri-state area, New York, where that I wasn't as sheltered in mm-hmm. that way. Whereas like, no, I, I knew people of all colors and then 
wasn't like scared of them you mm -hmm. know because it was just what was around that was what it was you know you go to new york you sit at a restaurant like and but there's that's not all of our country yeah you know um but i think it is it's so interesting just to take a look at that and just to see okay look at all the different ways that like i took i took this one instance and made it mean all these things about this whole group of people mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and how has that now been affecting the way i you know and for me i think a lot of what my inventory has been is that I haven't, because I, I didn't realize, because I assumed I was anti-racist mm. as a baseline, I wasn't actively diversifying things in my business. Mm. I wasn't, because for me, I was like, well, you know, my mentor is black, is a black woman, right? Mm. I adore Alison Bird. She's amazing, right? And I have black friends and I have uh, people of color friends. And so for me, it was, I was like, oh, I don't necessarily have to consciously bring them into my platform or bring them into, you know, or how am I going to, when I promote a program, how do I make sure everyone feels inclusive? I wasn't necessarily even going to that. I wasn't going to that length mm. because for me, I didn't think I was excluding anyone, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then once again, realizing that I remember I did, I went to visit um, refugee camps in, um, Greece and um, Berlin this oh, yeah so it was Lesbos Greece and then Berlin Germany this past mm -hmm. summer and one of we had to do a lot of psychological training before we went in and one of the things we learned about was about our biases right and microaggressions and and a lot of just the psychology behind people in a group if you leave people in a group and you just just you know just leave them in a room they'll find people that look like them and stay with the people that look like them, right? And that in and of itself is something, especially as white people, we need to be conscious of being bridges, right? And not being like, oh, we're just gonna assume because other people might not feel comfortable stepping up to our group, just like we might not feel comfortable stepping up to their group, right? And it's all of our jobs, especially right now, if you're all of us, I like to say all of us are the media because we all have social media and we all have things right now. So we all get to be bridges. Yeah, and it might feel a little awkward for a while. It might feel like we're faking it until we make it, but that's what's required. It's just, it's just part of the game. It's going to be a little weird. And, you know, we, we, we might have a little bit of uh, that discomfort, but I think that what's on the other side is, is an inclusive society. Like when I look at Toronto, for example, where I'm from in Canada, and it's such a great example of how diversity is actually an integrated thing. Like there's not these sectors. Like when I look at New York City for a long time, Harlem was all black. Downtown, primarily white. You know, you go to certain pockets, there would be diversity, but then, you know, most people would just kind of retreat back to their neighborhoods and their neighborhoods were very indicative of how there was still a divide in this country. And New York was the most melting pot kind of city in America. And I remember feeling like, well, still got some work so there's still a little level of segregation going on here and uh, of course then looking into the buildings and looking at you know who's actually making up the majority of the workforce etc so it's a whole thing but yeah i think what you're saying is so on point because you know it, it is it is it is on each of us to figure out how we can be bridges i mean it really is and and especially i think white men are in a position where you know when i look at white women i think it is distinct from white men because 
you know, you guys had, you had the feminist movement. The feminist movement is what was required to render equal rights to women, right? And it's debatable whether we've really gotten there. I mean, when you look at like disparity of pay and whatnot. Yeah, so there's, so there's something about the white man that really needs to be the driver of this more than anything. Like, and I'm really, I'm impressed with a lot of the, the white men that I'm friends with because, for example, one of the people that's on the board of Ally Now is one of the heads of partnership at Instagram. And he's someone who doesn't need to do this. I mean, he, you know, he easily could continue along his his career and and what he's up to. He's got a you know cushy place in Manhattan Beach and all of that. And he's making a point of of investing some real time in what we're doing with Ally Now. And that's a prime example of somebody who is going out of their way, you know, and having uncomfortable conversations. We're having conversations that are deeply uncomfortable for everybody I know who's on the board that's white that you know doesn't quite know like can i say this caduce i'm like fuck yeah like go ahead you know because i know your heart is good so anyway i think like the bottom line is with allyship and you know where we all are it it really can be simple as how would i treat a friend right now you know Mm, yeah like if 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 let's just say like all black people in america are my best friend how am i going to relate to this now you know and and come from that place because I mean, when we look at it again from a spiritual perspective, we are all one. We're all just different iterations of the most high and, and spirit. And so, you know, we look different. Great. Like we've got a lot of history that has wedged in between us to make separation. But at the end of the day, we all bleed the same blood. We all want the same things. And we just have had different roads to, to be where we are now. Absolutely. I mean, I teach A Course in Miracles. That's like one of my mm. primary texts. And literally it talks about to give is to receive, right? So knowing that the, it's essentially another version of the golden rule, right? Like how you are unto your brother or your sister. It's like, if I judge you, I'm, I judge myself, right? And when I love you unconditionally, I also free myself and love myself. When I forgive you, I forgive myself. So it's like, you can't, you know, really looking at that mirror. And it's an interesting psychological thing to think of. Two, if you're like, if I, if I'm, if I am in that loving myself, how can I not look at the black community and love them, right? Yeah. And love yeah. them as deeply as I would love my brother or my sister, my family, my immediate family, right? Because they are, yeah. right? Because we all are one. And if someone's kid in America can't be safe on a playground. No one's kid in America is safe on a playground. I mean, yeah. for me, before George, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, I like, I mean, what? A 27 year old woman in mm-hmm. her own home? Yeah. And like, she's an essential worker. She's someone who's been, <laughs> it's a lot. You're, you're yeah. like, yeah. Like I was enraged by that. I to me that like I was like how is this how does this okay in America? How I mean how is this okay in, on any level in any plane? Yeah. And you know to bring Brianna Taylor but I've had some interesting conversations and to go back to your I think women white women can be a real key bridge in this conversation to white men, especially about it, because we do have a, a slight taste 
I've, one of the things that I've had some powerful conversations with white men in my life around, around this is, you know, as a white man, you have no idea what it's like to walk down a street at night and be terrified. Yeah. Right. And be terrified and know that like, I can, I live in a nice part of California. And if I walk my dog past a certain hour, because whatever, you know, I finished watching a TV show late and now it's 1230. Mm There is part of my body is on alert. My Mm -hmm. whole body is on alert. I don't want to go where there's not a light. Right. Because as a woman, you growing up, you know, you know, so many people that have been raped, you know, so many people that, you know, and so there's that level that men and white men, especially don't ever experience. And so I was taking that, that small little kind of taste that I've had of it. Right. And then going down the list of all these, these atrocities that have happened to black people in our country and being, how would you feel if you couldn't even sleep in your bed at home? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How would you feel that, you know, if you were bird watching, right. Mm -hmm. And having that conversation, really realizing, and, and like you were saying, these blind spots, it's these blind spots of, of even just being that bridge and saying, you don't even know what it feels like to be me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then now take that a whole other degree. And imagine if I'm not necessarily worried that the cops are going to shoot me, right? Now imagine, take that to a whole different level. And now you have to worry that the people that are supposed to be helping you are supposed to be keeping you safe, right? Yeah, it's really wild. And, 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 and that really does put into perspective because if we actually, from a, a system, like let's talk about the internal system of a human being, if we can't ever get to that point where we are at a baseline level operating without fight or flight, without stress, we're at an inherent disadvantage. And so we're dealing with like a collective trauma that has never gone through therapy. Yeah. You know, we, we've actually just had our wounding completely triggered. And so we're in a really tricky time. And it's a great opportunity. It is an opening like I've never seen before in my lifetime for some real change to happen because everyone knows about it now. There's no denying it. That's why I'm like, I, I just thank God for George Floyd. I thank God for Brianna Taylor. Like I think of them as martyrs, you know? And what yeah. happens with martyrdom is that, yes, there's the loss of life. I mean, I'm named after a martyr. Caduce is a martyr. And, and so we have these martyrs in our history to indicate and, and, and allow for uprisings. You know, it's like not until we hit rock bottom that we go to AA. Yeah. And now Um, we're all going to AA. (laughs) We are. Yeah, exactly. Collective rock bottom. And we finally sobered up to see the problem and yeah. And what's the AA first step admitting that you have a problem, right? Really doing that inventory. And so what are, you know, as we're closing, because I want to be conscious of your time here, what are your last three steps? You said mentioned you have four main uh, pillars of allyship. Yeah, well, I'd say once, once the inventory is complete and we really own our side of the street and really look, I think that there's, there's the obvious, which is uh, I, I told 
you know, Shaquanda in grade five that she was ugly. And I based that because of some racist things that I, whatever, there's that, right? Obvious. But then there's like these subtle, really nuanced moments, right? Where like, you know, maybe you clenched your purse and, and you were really careful walking around a black man that you were happening to be on the sidewalk with, right? That's something to tag. That's something to say, yeah. wow, where did that come from? I've yeah. never been affected by a black person in a way that would warrant me being afraid of that black person. What is that about, right? So like really looking. So once the inventory is complete, then we can actually reform our identity around a new awareness, right? It's like anything that is at a transformational level, I think really does warrant a re-examination of who we've made ourselves up to be. Mm. Like, I know I've done that work in the way that I haven't necessarily considered myself a revolutionary activist. I've hung around with a lot of them. Some of my best friends are. They have organizations in Sierra Leone that literally save people's lives. I haven't done that front lines work. So I have been actually in a re-identification as someone who cares enough to be a revolutionary. So it can be just that simple of like really looking at a belief I've made. And I, I made up that I, I was not a voice. I was not someone who needed to be on the front lines of this because I wasn't black enough. That's what mm. I've made up, right? Like, who am I to talk about this? Because I'm light skinned. I have some privilege as a result of that. And the fact that I've been on television most of my life, like these are real things that have had um, bubble effect around me. You know, I, I, I mean, I run in really privileged circles, you know, top 1% of the world, we're hanging out in Bel Air at somebody's mansion, right? Like, that makes it to where it's not that I have to stay in that identity. You yeah. know, I don't, I don't need to limit myself to that. I can look at what's happening with my brothers and sisters and connect and empathize and then turn myself into someone who is a voice. So that's the, the re-identification, the identity phase. So that's an inventory leading to a different identity, then leading to a different intention. So like if your intention was to be part of the conversation, not necessarily move the conversation, not shape the narrative, maybe that can be a shift in your intention. Like, let me not just keep up with this conversation. Let me actually guide it. Let me be intentional. And to be intentional sometimes mean to be, means to be intention. You know, when I look at the etymology mm, of the word yeah. intention, it's like, yeah, you might feel some tension being in this new intention, but that means that you're actually like rowing the oars you're you're not just kind of like in the, in the water floating of the in the conversation you're actually directing it and uh yeah it's a dynamic place to be but it's, yeah. it's great it's a great tension to feel because that means that like the muscle of your heart is probably getting bigger <laughs> i love that i love that when you're feeling that uncomfortability when you're feeling that tension and also you know having an intention is also you know, having a, I feel like a stronger stance and a stronger, like really like aiming your arrow towards something. And like you said, it's not just about saying, oh, this, you know, yeah, this is bad or I'm going to support this. It's saying like, no, this, I have a stance on this and, mm -hmm. and I have a clear intention on what I want to do with this work or what I, what I want to use, you know, my platform for. Yeah. And then, and then the four stages really impact. And what I mean by that is very tangible action very tactical and that can actually be qualified at the end of the day, you know? And, and so that's where it's boots on the ground. It's real. It's like, okay, so, so what did you donate to what organization and what's the follow through up? Like, are you actually tracking where your money is going? Are you actually 
following up and it doesn't need to be money it can be energy you can volunteer you can you know make a point of putting a black lives matter sign in your window i mean i was just walking down the street here in denver yesterday and i saw five black lives matter signs in people's windows on my way to the park that helps the morale yeah that, that helps me that encourages me to know like i'm surrounded by people that care enough to actually put this in their window so that's an action it doesn't need to be that you donate you know thousands of dollars that would put you in debt and be irresponsible there's so many ways to make that impact but those Absol- are the four things Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And I think it's so, you know, that those four in that order also help by the time you get to impact, you have clarity on that impact that's aligning with you and you're in a different space because you've actually like done all that work. You've taken a look at it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's also a great, um, I love that you mentioned about the signs in the window because, you know, every little bit helps, yeah. you know, and I think sometimes it's so easy right now in the the world we live in to look at kind of people that you feel like are bigger, have more influence than you or celebrities and say, well, who cares about little old me? Right. But, you know, you know, the, the old couple that takes the time to, you know, draw a, a sign and put it in their, their window or, or put something on their lawn, maybe they might not even have Instagram, you yeah. know, yeah. like that, that just sends that signal of like, we're in this together, right? Which is, I think that's, the, that's what's going to heal. That's what's going to keep healing this country and yep. heal the wound that's been exposed right now to say, hey, you know, my ancestors, you know, they, they didn't have your back, right? Mm-hmm. And I wish I could change it, but I can't, right? But what I can say is that I 100% have your back right now, right? Mm-hmm. And this is not then. Mm. Um, this is now this yeah, is now we're, we're in a great opportunity i really firmly believe that it does take a breakdown more often than not to turn into a breakthrough and yeah. we're at the precipice of of the biggest breakthrough we've had in a long time here in america yeah and that's exciting that's yeah. exciting i think there is some real hope now that the younger generation will get to grow up in a different experience mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and to like you said like we are this is the revolution and I just want to I think as we're closing up and I'll let you um, have some final words as well but one of the things that you said before that I really wanted to highlight that I think is just such a great ponder point is this is the revolution mm-hmm. what are you gonna like where, where do you want to be in it what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of leader do you want to be? And what I think to myself is, no, I don't have any kids yet, but maybe I will someday. And I think, what do I want to tell them when they learn about this in school and say, mommy, what were you doing this during this? Right? Mm -hmm. Mommy, how did you help? I think that's, that is a question we all get to ask ourselves is like, who, who am I going to be in the face of this revolution? And how am I going to be able to speak about this with my grandson? And I love what you said too, about like our unique contribution to this because I do think that and that's this is the note I'll end on is that I think we all have a part to play and we all get to identify what that lane is and not feel some sense of FOMO about what Sean King is doing like sometimes I think about that I'm like man Sean King is really like man he is whipping the shit out of my Instagram right now you know but like that's not the game like the game is Sean plays that part and I am the bridge for the allies you know and, and, and that's that's okay and like so and then someone listening might say well 
Caduce, you've got, you know, a, a strong following that really, you know, and I don't have that. Well, okay, what, what is your lane then? You know, where can you be a contribution? You know, maybe you can come support Ally Now, you know, be a social media manager for the Ally Now Instagram, for example. We're looking for that, right? So it's like, there's so many different ways to make a contribution. So, you know, find a lane that feels authentic and run with it. Yes, I think that's so important. Such a powerful thing to end with because I do agree. It's like, if you're a part of a system right now, if you're working in any capacity, there's a conversation to be had. You can be the person that brings that conversation to the table. You can be that person that says, you can be any person in organization and go to your HR director and say, hey, do we have a diversity program, mm -hmm. right? Because I feel like we need it, right? Mm -hmm. That like, what, where's our company? You know, you can be the change and know that that is just as important, yeah. you know, yeah. as someone that has a social media following right 100 100 you know 100%. It, it's it's so important to know that it is those it's you actually living it yep you know living it and doing it in your life and not just necessarily posting about it you can post about it that's great but yep. then live it yep. <laughs> do it prime um, example prime example of what you're talking about i had uh someone who i used to date back in the day it's been 15 years since i heard from her she saw what I was posting this week about Ally Now. She reached out. She said, listen, I'm having a conversation with my team internally. And one of our biggest clients is Neutrogena. And I would like to bridge to be able to figure out how we can have you come in, work with our team, work with Neutrogena. And then I had another call from Lululemon. And now they're talking about bringing me in to lead their diversity initiatives. So it's like amazing what can happen when we actually own our own level of influence and leadership no matter where we are and so absolutely so yeah. and it's like those those women or those friends of yours that i mean that they were the bridges in that situation mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. you could literally i mean you could work in any capacity like i said for the neutrogena or for the client that works for neutrogena right mm -hmm. and because you're brave enough courageous enough to just have some conversations about it to be that person that says, I'm not going to wait for someone else on my team to mm -hmm. talk about this mm -hmm. or someone else in my corporation to bring this up. I'm mm -hmm. not going to wait for the CEO to figure this out. I'm going to go do it. <laughs> right. That's yep. what we need right now. And that is being a revolutionary. 100%, 100%. And that's really it. It's, it's like how we each have such a capacity to make a difference. I think about Edward Snowden, right? Like mm. Edward Snowden, like before he did what he did, did anybody look at that guy as a hero? No, he was just like nerding out with his like whatever he did. And it was, and then he stepped out on faith and conviction and did what he did. And now the world will never be the same. And each of us has that capacity. Yep. Absolutely. We each have that capacity. Um, and that, that for me, I think is you living in highest alignment of your soul, mm -hmm. right? Because exactly. we're, when we're connected to that, we are connected to that divine love. We're connected to that part of ourselves that truly sees everyone as our brothers and our sisters. Yeah. And if we are connected to that, there's no way you could stand for, for anything less Mm -hmm. than making a difference right now anything less than fighting for equality mm -hmm. right and, Ooh, and oh by the way you, you sharing this is bringing up something else i i want to share because i know you have a lot of people that are here for the divine download right like the spiritual perspective on this yeah and i do feel like 
we are spiritual beings having a human experience and there's nothing more human than being a fight for justice. Absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. Just like it's the application of spirituality. It is. Well, that's so true. And that's why I think that's the big part of the spiritual conversation that it's like, how can you have a spiritual conversation and, and not fight for justice and not want justice, right? Yeah. Because this is, you know, to go back to A Course in Miracles, we, we talk about how essentially our true nature is love, is that oneness consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. We come here to earth earth not so much the consciousness here right and <laughs> yeah. we're seeing a great display of that right that our i i like to vision us as we're like these divine oneness carriers right come to earth realize okay look around here's a fear-based consciousness here's a consciousness of separation and part of our mission here as miracle workers or whatever you want to call yourself souls um is to help bring that divine consciousness on earth. And part of bringing that divine consciousness on earth is fighting for justice, fighting for equality, bringing that same oneness that we know in our souls is the truth and letting it be reflected in our jobs, in our, our laws, in our administration, in the way you know our world is set up. And that takes each and every one of us saying, hey, we've been planted exactly where we've been planted for a reason. You know, you're in this, wherever place you are right now and whatever community you are, even you talking about the privilege that you've had, I, for me, I don't think that's an accident, right? Because now you can leverage that, right? Now you get, now you get to have that, you know, the person from Instagram on the board of Allie now because that's what we need, Right. We need those people in those places making the changes because that's going to create more of a ripple effect. And, you know, Sally that's working at Starbucks right now also has a chance to have a really good conversation here. Also has a chance to say, hey, can we do something in our neck of the woods? How do, how do we talk about diversity here? How do we make sure Starbucks is implementing this or whatever it is? right wherever you are if you're working at a restaurant if you're working in a school right teachers you have so much so much power right now right to shift the conversation in your school district right we're all at different posts right now and if we come through that with that you know i like to say that we all have the same purpose we all just have different missions right so your purpose is to create that oneness, the experience of oneness on earth, right? Your purpose is, that's what we say when we hear all those taglines, like be love, be light. That's what it means, right? 100%. 100%. And so this is it. Like, let's go. This go is team. It. Yeah. And life is this happening right now. It's not a dress rehearsal. Yeah. This is like, it. This, this is like, it. This is it. This is it. Yeah. You know, yep. and, 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 and I get, and I, I, I know you got a thought. I just felt no, like, go, go, wait, I don't like, the urgency, the urgency is there. And that's not to say that we need to be worried about the lack of turnaround in a post or an action, uh, but there is an urgency. So it's like, as I'm engaging with different companies right now to potentially bring an ally now, I'm paying attention to the, the, the trajectory of this conversation with them because I want to see that like you get the stakes involved. I want to see that like 
you know, every day that goes by that a DNI diversity and inclusion program isn't implemented in your company is actually now with this climate the level to which your company is is atrophying from the zeitgeist it's like yep. and so there is an urgency you know and and, yeah. and it could get worse that's what i also want to say is like yes from a spiritual perspective i know we'll all be okay in a sense and it could get worse here in this three-dimensional world so it's like again like where do we want to stand in the history books and this is the opportunity and it's like wherever you've been in it like life is now time is now so what now what absolutely absolutely and i you just to echo that urgency it reminds me of something um oprah said at this you can change your life whole thing i went to of hers and she gave this description of you know when she was talking about when spirit hits you but mm. i feel like this is also very applicant to what's been going on in our country right now is that at first it's kind of just as like a gentle breeze and you're like oh yeah i hear that okay okay mm -hmm. whatever you go about your day right mm -hmm. you hear it, you go about your day and then next it's like a gentle rain you're like oh you're slightly more inconvenienced by it now mm -hmm. but you still probably just go about your day you know, and then it's like a thunderstorm. And now you're like, oh my God, I'm drenched. So by this time, maybe you're going to pay attention. Some people will pay attention at thunderstorm level. Yeah. Um, you know, some people started paying attention at thunderstorm level. And then like a brick falls out of the sky and hits you, right? Yeah. So I think right now we're at the brick. Like yeah. we're at the brick. People have been hit by bricks and they can no longer ignore what's going on. And there's also, you know, there literally might be, I don't know, I think the example she used was like an avalanche or a truck or something, right? Like there is a level that could get worse than this if you're not willing to wake up here. But the, the opportunity is if you wake up here, you act now, you show up now that we have the potential to not let it get worse if we 100%. show up fully right now so 100 yes and what you said about we all get to show up it is an all hands on deck situation there is like yeah we need no all hands out. on deck yeah we need all hands on deck. this is the titanic sinking and so it's like we get to figure out all the holes in the boat plug them up asap and move forward from there so i'm, I'm grateful i'm grateful that uh, you're an ally. I'm grateful that, you know, everyone listening. I mean, this is part of this is part of the work having these conversations. So I'm like super grateful uh, for you and your community. And uh, yeah, this conversation was amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving your time for having this conversation with me. I know it's just going to help so many people in the community and hopefully invigorate them and get them excited and get them. I loved your four um, pillars and steps. I think that's just so helpful. I know. And if you guys need to go back and re-listen to that, re-listen to it, follow Caduce. I'm going to put all the links below. Check out Ally Now. If you're working in a corporation, if you're working in any business or you have a partner or a friend that is, um, you know, this is a great, this is a great tool to start, right? This is an easy way, a really easy way for you to be the bridge, right? Mm -hmm. For you to say, hey, okay, I know someone that knows how to do this work and that can help our whole team do this work let's do it. Let's show up for it now. Um, and if you're watching this and you're just a budding entrepreneur or someone that wants to step in to being a leader, you can use those same four steps to really take a look at yourself and get into the conversation. Um, and, and I think, you know, what 
the overall theme I hope has, has also been is that it's okay if it's uncomfortable, just show up, you know, just show up, um, just show up and just keep showing up and keep educating yourself and keep making yourself aware. And like you said, we need all hands on deck. So every single one of you, you know, can contribute and can help and, and please take that seriously and take that to heart. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so uh, much. And um, I look forward to continue stalking you and yeah. all of the brilliant musings and work that you're sharing um, online and all of the amazing work that you're doing in the world. I am so grateful that you got that divine download to start Ally Now and to kind of pivot and shift your plans um, because that is just, it's such a beautiful conversation that you're able to facilitate and you're just going to create massive impact in the world and this beautiful ripple effect with the work you're doing inside of companies and, and just publicly. So thank you so much. Thank Love you. you. <laughs> oh, I love you too. Appreciate you so much. All right. Have a great day. And uh, well, as great of a day as you can these days. Um, <laughs> yeah, we can have a great day. Uh, sure. We can still have a great day. We're gonna... we're in the solution. This is the point. Like when we get into the solution, it feels great because at least we're working towards, you know, I'm, I, I just, I never feel an ounce of, of heaviness now because I am firmly in it. And like, yes in action i'm just like great okay yes the world might be crumbling around us but i'm doing something about it and that's yes. the best i can do and that feels great you know absolutely you're in that's the place of power right yeah. being in the present being in action and creatively creating the future that you want to see yep like what that's is the future it. i want to see what how can i another how many questions am i going to give you guys to think about right <laughs> what is the future you want to see and how can you move your feet to do that today right what things can you take to do well, um, the, the one thing we can do share this episode out yeah. <laughs> yes this episode you know my my hope for a lot of you guys is also that my undercover intention with this also is because i hope this episode um and the the heart centeredness of it as something that you can share with people in your life that maybe you you want to get into this conversation but have been having a tricky time having that conversation sometimes it's easier for you if you have a, a friend or a sibling or a cousin or something like that to send in the podcast and say hey you know, this was really enlightening to me, felt really good, got me in action. I'm kind of, you know, excited about the next steps I can take, what I can do. Give it a listen, right? And then this way, that person in your life is not necessarily feeling like you're lecturing them mm -hmm. on something and they can still receive it. So please utilize this, utilize this as a tool, share it, um, um, feel free to share it wherever and let us know, uh, tag us. Um, if you're sharing it on Instagram or you want to share your feedback or what ahas you're having from it, I'm sure we both would love to see that and engage with you. So, yeah, that's, that's great. I think, I think I would love to promise that anyone who is resonating with this can think of like one or two takeaways that they can repost with. I will definitely repost everything I see on Instagram about that because I think, yeah, like we have a long conversation here and there's takeaways and there's this whole other follow-up. And so that's what it means to be an ally too. It's like, whenever I consume something that helps me, it's thinking, okay, how can I actually amplify that? How can I fan the flames of that? If I'm not having that public conversation, let me get behind that at least, you know? 
I love that. And I think that that's a great thing we can all do is mm -hmm. amplify, amplify the conversations that, and I think that's, you know, that that is part of being an ally, just amplifying those conversations so that more people can hear them. Yep. You no, know, and that's the people it. in our lives can hear them. That's so it. thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. Um, and if you like this, subscribe. And like I said, all the links are below so you can find both of us. You can shout us out. And um, we look forward to hearing your feedback and your ahas on the episode. Mm -hmm. Bye. <laughs>